Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombus donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombus.com/acast code acast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Battlefield Show. I am Scott Gibson, your Commander-in-Chief, guiding you through the battlefield of life. You know what you're here for. No more messing about. Stick the tape in. Hit the track. Onwards! Episode 33, oh, 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 episode 30, we're good to go, I am, I would say, 5% now away from completely losing my mind, Um, lockdown is affecting us all in different ways, Um, it seems to be taking the little piece of sanity that I had left, and um, slowly drag it from my body but it's wednesday it wouldn't be wednesday without another episode of the battlefield show now if you are listening to this through your ears then well done i mean if you listen to it through any other part of your body um do get in touch and how on, on earth are you are you doing that but if you're listening to this through your ears then i imagine you're doing it on spotify or soundcloud and if that is the case then hit subscribe You cheeky wee bastard. And if you are watching this in full HD, eh? if you are sitting, seeing the words come out of my mouth, then you are watching it on YouTube. And if that is the case, hit subscribe. Okay? It's no, it's no enough anymore. Just to listen. I and mean, when you get to the end, go, 
I thoroughly enjoyed that hour of free entertainment. Not enough anymore. So, subscribe. I've got a peanut stuck in my teeth. It's all happening, but in the first two minutes, my God. Um, episode 30 of the Battlefield Show. Subscribe to it on Spotify and subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Whole lot of goodies on there that you can check out. And um, if you are on the Patreon, then well done for joining the Battlefield Armour. You will have enjoyed the second episode of The Officer's Mess with the wonderful Jeannie Jones, comedian and doctor. Um, and if you would like access to an extra podcast every single week special content all of the episodes episodes all of the episodes of the officer's mess which is my interview podcast stroke thing then join the patreon it's the only way that you will get access to all these goodies head to patreon.com forward slash big scott gibson and become a fucking patreon Right, episode 30, what has happened since we've last spoke? Joe Rogan has become a fucking multi-gazillionaire. And Dominic Cummins has got his knuckles wrapped. A lot else has happened. Karens are competing with Sanders for the biggest cunt award. Um, I don't know if you saw the viral video of the woman uh, lifting the dug up by the collar. But I'm telling you right now, if I find that woman, I will rip her fucking jaw off. Um... Violence responds to violence. <laughs> it's going to be that kind of episode. I have said it before, and I will say it until the day I die. Until the last breath is dragged from my body. Violence only responds to violence. I um, sadly saw a video this week, which was shared by a, a reputable animal welfare charity, which I thought... Uh, was a bit shocking, and then I realised uh, it's the only way to grab people's attention nowadays. I know we're in lockdown, I know that the message is, be kind, if you can be anything, be kind. But well, what still grabs our attention is, a, is shock, right? We've not seen a beheading video for quite some time. The Taliban have gone quiet, which you have to question the whole global politics, global terrorism, because surely now is the time when you would be striking. Eh? But now I'd have gone quiet. My point being, the video that I saw was discussing poachers in Africa and the video that they had posted on Instagram, which I thought was also a little bit strange, considering that you're not allowed to show your nipples on Instagram if you are from the female gender, but they were able to post this video, and the video was a rhinoceros, a rhino, with the full front of its face completely cut off. I'll say that again. You're unable to show nipples on Instagram, but they had a video, not a picture, a video of a rhinoceros with the full front half of its face cut off. Still alive, it was taking its final breaths, and it was highlighting the brutal, brutal injuries and horrific deaths that these animals suffer at the hands of poachers. None of them are trained veterinarians. They are poachers. They trap the animal and they simply hack the uh, the tusks, the, the horns, the fucking the bugles. 
from the uh, this is taking a bit of a twist, Scotty boys, just to start from the rhinoceros, and uh, it was it was deeply upsetting. It was incredibly graphic, and it did shock me. So congratulations, uh, you you got that much. But the reason why I bring that up in conjunction with the woman who lifted the dog by the collar, choking the poor fucker. Um, violence responds to violence. So for years, for as long as I can remember my whole life, 30 years plus, uh, poachers have existed. Um, so what I would do is, is uh, the way to stop poaching is to uh, extreme violence. Um, find the poachers, uh, murder them uh, brutally. Uh, I would I would go as far as to say the way in which they slaughtered the animals, I'd slaughter them. So, for example, if you were the poacher that did this to the rhinoceros, I'd cut the front of your face off and let you bleed out. Uh, then we'd go another step. Uh, I'd take out the rest of your family, uh, any of your family's family, and anyone who just happened to be in the vicinity at the time when we caught you. I would then trace the trade, the sale of these tusks, ivory, uh, rare skins, animals, whatever they may be, and anyone along the line who was involved in the trade, I would brutally murder them and their family and their family's family. And I think eventually, you know, we, we would stop it. Uh, people who do bad things to dogs, uh, there's a special place in hell for you. And all I could hope is that karma's real and one day that dog just goes, do you know what, fucking, I've had enough of this, and takes her face off. But it was a, what is this for a start of a, an episode? I do not know. My God, let's shake this off. Um, I don't even know how that came out of my head. It's, it's, do you know what? It's not even on my list of things to talk about. But maybe let's try and think about this on a psychological level. I, I mentioned Joe Rogan. He's got a dog. Uh, the dog looked like Joe Rogan's dog. Maybe that's where it came from. I don't know. Yes, so since we last spoke, Joe Rogan, um, the all-powerful, Joe Rogan has signed a, a, a multi-million pound deal with Spotify um, to move his entire, not only back catalogue, but his future work over to their platform. Now, $100 million, what? What? $100 million. Um, how much did I get paid for doing this podcast? Fuck all! But I do it for the love of you. You people listening right now, I love you. And that's why I do it. I do it for your love. Now, obviously, those of you who are Patreons, I love you more. And my love for you is greater. And should the time ever come where you need an ally, I will be in the battlefield with you. You know? Maybe you need to be saying to yourself, a hundred million for Rogan. Where's Kibble one? 90 million? 75 million? No, no. Five dollars a month. You're joking! No. Five dollars, that's it. So it costs to become a Patreon. Support me and support the show. Think about that. Now, Rogan's move uh, initially may have just been cast off by some of you as, a, as another business deal done in Hollywood and City of Angels. Um, but I think it could have implications for people like myself, podcasters, content creators, in a very, very good way. The reason being YouTube, um, more frequently uh, in the past couple of months, has been 
cracking down on people for content they're creating that they feel is inappropriate. Now, the worrying thing about that is, it is YouTube who are deciding what's appropriate and inappropriate. People have had their full accounts removed without their knowledge. People have had their full online presence shut down. Some people would argue that a few of the accounts that have been shut down should have been shut down, and rightly so. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into the whole free speech thing, but I think it's very important that if you start to pick and choose who can have free speech, then you get in a very dangerous territory. So let's just stick to the fact that Rogan has moved to Spotify. Two things. First of all, $100 million. Huge sum of money. Um, oddly, the way that the world is going, the way that money is going... 100 million now seems to be the kind of standard kickoff point. I remember when I was a wee lad, a million quid. Oh, see, one day, I'm going to have a million quid. See if you had a million pound in the bank right now. And what? And what? You're not retiring on a million quid. You might be sitting there going, Big man, see if I had a million pound. Oh, I'd get it out work tomorrow. I'd take a shite in his desk and I'd tell him to stick out his bum. No, the shit, the, the job. Obviously. I say this to you, mid-30s, right? Let me, mid-30s, million quid in the bank, say you buy a house, quarter million, right? Reasonable, okay? Don't get anywhere fancy, nothing too fucking show-offy. Quarter million, right? Gone. You then buy a car, you go on holiday, right? You, you, you get the missus a nice wardrobe, you get some new bits and pieces, a watch, you treat yourself, maybe you kick a wee bit out to the families. Before you know it, boom, another quarter million, gone, right? You've now got half a million left. You're 35 year old. You're going to chuck your job with half a million in the bank? Of course you're not. you got to work, man. Nowadays, medicine, technology, you're going to be lucky if you're dead at 90. Lucky. Captain Tom Moore, walk on. That's nothing. We're all going to live to 100, and it's going to be horrible. Dragging your 100-year-old wrinkly arse everywhere? Horrendous. You pray for death. So, 100 million, big sum of money. When you look at the uh, stock price of Spotify within the 24 hours, sorry, 48 hours of the announcement being made, their value in the company rose from 30 billion to 35 billion. So, for those people who are saying 100 million is an insane amount of money, they have invested 100 million pounds in Joe Rogan, buying his back catalogue, buying his future work, buying his fan base, buying his new fan base, buying their data. And it's cost him a hundred million. And by giving out a hundred million, they have made five billion back. Fuck me. And that's how the rich stay rich team. That's how the fucking rich stay rich. So Good thing is, and if we look at it on my level, Spotify is having to create a whole new platform for their streaming service. They're going to start to offer video service, just like YouTube. Um, although I imagine it will be tailored for podcasting. I also imagine it will be um, implemented over a length of time, and they'll probably have some of their bigger podcasts on there first, and it may be a case of how many episodes you had, downloads, listening figures, that kind of thing. Or it may just be open to everybody from day one, in which case, fantastic. And if you are going to have the ability to move all of your work, audio and video, to the one platform, 
it makes total sense. Really, it makes sense. If you can have one place in which you can build a fan base, you know, build a portfolio, it's, it has to be a good thing. Right now, if you look at the amount, I mean, I hate social media. I fucking despise it. I have Facebook page, Twitter page, Instagram, website, mailing list, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, Spotify. If you are able to say to people in the future, in the next couple of years, I have a podcast, um, audio and video podcast, and it's on Spotify. So much easier to start off with, so much easier. And it'll allow you to, to build things. It'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, right now, you can go on YouTube, you can watch it for free. For free! And the um, revenue is generated through adverts. On Spotify, the uh, the bigger podcasts will still be able to have adverts. Maybe one day I'll have adverts. One day from now. But most of the money, certainly for the Spotify side, will come through premium subscriptions, what I believe uh, is still a 10 or a month, 9 or something like that. Now, if you don't have a Spotify subscription, then maybe take a day to come out of the cave and bring yourself into society, right? Okay, and if you're sitting going, I can't afford 9.99 a month, then start pumping somebody that's got a Spotify and steal it off them, all right? Because that's how it works, okay? If you've got a Netflix, she's got a Spotify, rumpity pumpy, and you switch over the accounts, happy days, all right? And if neither of you have got one or the other, then it's time to fucking maybe consider what's going on in that relationship. So from September, the bold Rogan's making a move. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of Joe Rogan. Um, his comedy is not my cup of tea. Um, I don't, I don't find I've watched. I've tried to watch a couple of specials. It's just not my thing. And the show itself, um, I tend to only dip into the episodes that I'm interested in. The guests, and I watch that. But the good thing about Joe Rogan is he's almost gone against the trend, in the sense of even just now, everything in comedy is about you know how short it can be. 90, all we want is a 60 second clip and 90 seconds, can you do a 3 second set if you could go up there and just do 2 seconds of jokes, that's all we need fuck off, these television fucking cunts, for years I've been telling people, nobody's got an intention span that lasts over 90 seconds bullshit fucking bullshit, we sit and watch box sets you know fucking Game of Thrones, 1 hour episodes, you'll sit and watch fucking 12 hours at a time binge it, consume it Breaking Bad, fucking churning through, churning through. You look at the numbers that are on Joe Rogan's podcast, 6 to 10 million an episode, sometimes even more than that. 20 million people watching an episode that could be three hours long, but yet, the industry still tells us, people can only concentrate for 90 seconds at a time. This podcast, my podcast, is an hour, right? Maybe an hour 15 at the max. And it is that length because I think most podcasts are an hour. You know, sometimes now, I'll be honest with you, when I see a podcast and it's like 20 minutes, half an hour, I, I, I tend not to bother. I don't know if that's because I am a storytelling comic, I'm long form, my shows are always hour and a half, two hours, so I feel as if I need that length of time to get into it. Don't know. But it's interesting, it's interesting to see what happens with Spotify, it's always good to have another big player as well, because I think 
YouTube's one of the things that's difficult. You will put endless number of videos up there trying to build subscribers and views and get yourself in algorithms. It's it's hard, man. It's, it's difficult. And it's, it's something I don't understand, you know. So if we can build up Spotify, and that can be the kind of first stop for anybody who is interested in podcast stuff, then that can only be a good thing. So with that in mind, if you are listening, as I said at the start, subscribe to the show on Spotify uh, and subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Fuck it, bye. <laughs> oh, I'm drinking Skull Crusher coffee, right? Which, if anybody Skull Crusher, hey, fucking, come on, sponsor the show. It does exactly what it says. It's in high caffeine coffee, and uh, it feels as if your skull is being crushed. So perfect name for it. But it's uh, it's the equivalent of two hundred milligrams of adrenaline injected straight into your heart and uh, it gets me through the day also uh, again it's fucking roasting in here man it's another it's a hot one it's another hot day here in old Ricky. me me and the missus i've been walking uh, like a pair of old pensioners um every morning getting up trying to restructure the routine because we'd got into I had got into the kind of pattern of sleeping in a bit late, getting up and doing the usual, sitting up to three, four in the morning again, like I did in the old days. And for a time, I had a good routine where I was getting up at half seven and we were going to the gym and everything was fine. Now the gym is shut. Thank God for that. But we're going for walks and uh, it's been nice. It's, it's been it's been good. Uh, I went past the Botanic Gardens today in Edinburgh. Oddly, where I am in Leith, um, the thing about Edinburgh, it feels like a big city, right? It feels like a big city. Because when you're in Leith, you're looking up to the castle. And when you're over kind of the meadows, you're, you're kind of on line with it, you know? And you're looking up and you're going, oh, castle's miles away, yeah? It isn't really, you know? Get a good sweat on, get a walk on, for, even for the docks, you got there 40 minutes, right? So it's been nice walking about, checking out different areas. We'll go out in the morning, do 5k at least, uh, maybe fucking maybe 10, but I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. For that one morning I did 10k, I was blown out my ass. So today we went past the Botanic Gardens in Edinburgh, but a very beautiful, beautiful part of the city. Um, if you've if you've never been to the Botanic Gardens, don't bother going because it's fucking boring inside. Um, it's just a garden you would have a far more exciting time if you uh, just jumped into someone's garden uh, and then and then get a chase remember jumping fences the kids th- this is what I'm worried about the, the kids people who have got young teenagers right 12, 13 12's not a teenager Gibble <laughs> I was going to say something terrible there. Then I censored myself. Well done. Um, if you get young teenagers, what what are they doing? I, I don't believe for a second the vast majority of teenagers are going to jump jumping fences anymore. Uh, if you've never jumped a fence, it's exactly what it says in the tin. You start at one row of terraced houses and uh, you see how many fences you can jump before... You know, you, you get caught or you get, you never get caught. 
Um, because even if you went into a garden and somebody was in there, the, the shock of a couple of children and then a fucking 16 stone bowling ball coming over the top of the fence was was too much for any family. Uh, and you'd be off. But it's got old fucking adrenaline going, man. Um, what was I talking about? Aye, garden. So, doing where the Botanic Gardens is in Edinburgh, fuck me, the houses down there. Oh my God, serious money, you know? Proper money, eh? I'm talking like, yeah, this isn't like, you know, lawyers and doctors. This is like fucking traffickers and old money, you know? People, people who have got these big houses near the botanics, they've got land, right? Their family brought a couple of people over on a boat 400 years ago, maybe siphoned some cargo, and they've got land up north, right? Whoever's staying in these houses got a couple of thousand sheep on an island somewhere and a, and a skeleton or two in the closet. Amazing houses. Nice bits of Edinburgh, man. Nice bits to check out. Speaking of uh, dirty old cunts, the Tories. Lovely segue. Um, right. Dominic Cummings. I watched the interrogation. I say the word interrogation with a small eye. I have interrogated packets of crisps um, with more ferocity than that man was interrogated with. Um, if you don't know what's going on with Dominic Cummings, um, I don't really know how I can help you, you fucking idiot. Because you should know what's going on. Because, all right, we're in Scotland, we're up here, we're safe, you know? Nicholas Sturgeon's blue and white army's looking after us. But whether you like it or not, those fucking Tory bastards, Bojangles and his band of fuck nuggets, are still in charge and they're still the gaffers. And we've got to we've got to change it. We've got to change it. So Dominic Cummings, who uh, appears to be, uh, I mean, what does he appear to be? Is the aide to Boris Johnson? I think if you're reading between the lines, and from what's going on, he's arguably the most powerful man in British politics today. Dominic Cummings, not Boris Johnson. Dominic Cummings. Now, I don't know if it's his right hand man. I don't know if he's a puppet master. I don't know if Dominic Cummings is actually calling the shots and Boris Johnson is just a front. I don't know. But whatever is going on, he either is so vital to Boris Johnson's government that he can't let him go or he has a video of Boris Johnson dressed as a Nazi fucking two pigs. Something's going on. Long story short, he broke lockdown rules and uh, drove up to his family's farm, the estate, um, for childcare or something. In between that, he did a jaunt to Bernard uh, Castle. Bernard Castle. Bernard Castle. Bernard Castle. What I enjoy is a lot of people on <laughs> social media going, what's he going doing visiting a castle? It's a part of the country, right? Northeast. Okay, you don't want to go there. I used to go through Barnard Castle doing gigs, right? It's fuck all there. There's a lot of racism and fields. You don't want to go there. What's it doing in a castle? It's the name of a town, you fucking idiot. It's 
She was giving this big thing about, I couldn't see a one eye. I didn't want her to drive. She's a fucking brutal driver, mate. He's got a way in the wings, no well, bloody, bloody, blah. Anyway, he broke lockdown rules. He is the one for the government enforcing these rules. People are giving it. I couldn't go and see my dying father. And I get it, right? I, touch wood, have not lost any family members, any close family members during this horrific pandemic. If you have lost a loved one, I can't imagine what that must be like to go through. Can't imagine. Cannot even begin to imagine. To have lost somebody during this pandemic, to be told that you cannot visit them. We have all had it, sadly. I've had it. I hope I don't get it for a long, long time. But we've all had that phone call from the hospital saying... Family member of yours is unlikely to make it through the night. You know, we've made them comfortable and if you'd like to come and be by his bedside. We've all had that call and it's horrible. And you go and you try and take some comfort in the fact that at least in their last moments they are surrounded by people who love them. And I cannot imagine what that must be like for you to go through that, being unable to visit loved ones as they pass. And for your loved ones to go through that completely alone. It must be horrific. And we have people in our government who are not only making these rules and enforcing them. You have those people, the very same people who have decided that the rules don't apply to them. And he was interrogated. Now, I imagine if you were to ask Andy McNabb or any of the, the boys from SES, are you tough enough? Do you consider that an interrogation? They would probably shit their knickers with laughter. He, he came out late for a start. Um, now, if, if, if that was me, uh, at the world media watching you, if I was there reporting for BBC News, let me tell you, it would be a far more exciting news channel, straight off the bat, and Dominic Cummings came out half an hour late, I would tell him to fuck off, I'd just say fuck off, you cunt, now, they're in the garden, they've got them sitting at a painter's table, it's ten down the street, you're telling me somebody couldn't lift a table out for the house, uh, and then he, he comes strolling in, as if he's attending a barbecue, sleeves rolled up, shirt undone, he may as well have just walked in in a Hawaiian shirt and a fucking pair of shorts, half pished. Guys, I'm sorry, man. Oh, I totally forgot about the interrogation. Walked in, sits down. Half hour late for his own interrogation. If that isn't a fuck you to the world media, I don't know what is. Then he's interrogated, interrogated by the media who would have given him a harder interrogation if they'd just all dropped to their knees and gave him a blowbang. One BBC reporter, and I don't know the lassie's name, I'd love to find out her name, and, and question her further. After he read his statement and his, uh, his recollection of the events, the question that she asked was, did you stop to fill up with petrol before you came home? <laughs> what? With with a with a serious a serious face, no, no leading on to you know a, a real biting remark or a dig. No, that 
That's her question. Mr. Cummins, BBC News, um, fuck Nugget McFuck Tavish. Um, can I ask, sir, did you stop for petrol on your drive home or did you manage to get back in a full tank? Did you stop for fucking petrol? Are you shitting me? People have watched loved ones die at home from this disease. People have had to sit at home and watch as their partners go out to work in hospitals, frontline jobs, without any PPE. People have had to have private burials. You know, been unable to attend the funeral of a loved one because of the rules and laws that the government's put in place. And now, the man who probably is the highest in the current government breaks those laws and pretty much spits in your face. Says to you, I don't care if your family have died. I don't care if your loved ones go out without any protection. I don't care if you've had to sit by and watch as you've been unable to attend your own father, mother, grandparents' funeral. I don't care. I will do what I fucking want. And the chance to really put him under the microscope and really pressure him. The BBC asks, did you stop to fill up your tank? <laughs> I mean, you, you literally, you couldn't write this stuff. You could not write this stuff. And then a junior minister uh, resigns the other day. And uh, who gives a fuck? Who cares? Nobody. He's a fucking Tory little cunt. Who cares? It's, an, it's another career politician. That's all it is. If you think for one second that this guy, this fucking junior fucking cuck, has decided that, you know, he, he has to rise, I have to rise above it, I can't stand this, how can I say to my constituency that they should stay at home when this gentleman is out driving to Barnard Castle? No, I can't. That cunt has resigned because he has got into fucking Tory HQ, right, deep in the heart of fucking Lizard County, and he has offered himself to fall on the sword in the hope that that deflects slightly. And he'll be welcomed back into the fold with a senior minister's position in three, four, five years' time. That's how it works, man. That's how these career politicians work. And the thing that we should be worried about as well, not only should you never trust this government, in fact, you know what? Don't trust any fucking government. Don't trust any of them. It was interesting to see it being described as a media distraction. That was interesting for me, because that's exactly what it is. A media distraction. If you think that Boris Johnson gives a flying fuck that Dominic Cummings has travelled all the way up to see his family during lockdown, he couldn't give a flying fuck. He couldn't care if you live or die. Could not care. This distraction, this whole zoo around him will be controlled and managed by the Tory government. So what the fuck have they been up to in the background? when the spotlight has been on Dominic Cummins. I don't know. And what are we going to do about it? How are we going to fix this? How are we going to send a real message to the current Tory government to say that we will not stand for this? We're going to boo the cunt. That's right. Boo. <laughs> what, what hope? What hope is there? People are going to boo. Not that long ago. You know, folk would have, would have 
fucking went up to the the church and the horses, the church, the castle, and the horses, parliament. They would have congregated and a, and a, a lunch mob, you know, and started fucking battering cunts. I don't want to go back to my first point, but violence responds to violence. <laughs> Do you know how you tell um, Boris Johnson that we're not happy with him? Fucking cut his legs off. <laughs> oh, nothing's going to change, man. Nothing's going to change. Right? Nothing will change. And here's the thing that nobody wants to hear. The Tories are going to get in again. They're going to get in again. Because there's a couple of things that they do very well. They appeal to their demographic better than any political party in the country. And they are amazing at grabbing that bottom percentage. And that is how you win in England. Labour, historically, the last couple of years, and I know the whole Corbyn thing's been a bit of a fucking mess, they have alienated their own party. Right? They've alienated their own party. And the very people who should be Labour voters in England, they have lost them. And it's not like they've lost them, I don't think, from... This election, they have lost people for the next couple of elections. The Tories are very, very good at getting that bottom percentage of people because they know what they respond to and they respond to violence. That's what they respond to. They don't respond to, let's all start a food bank and together, if we collect enough tins of beans, then we can reopen the pits and bring the trains back into control with the government. They respond to racism. They respond to violence. They respond to shock, poverty. That's what they respond to. And the Tories are very, very good at that. I don't think they will lose another election for uh, quite some time. And that's... It's devastating, man. And if Scotland doesn't fucking get his shit together and go independent, I'm f- I'm, f- I'm off to Bulgaria. I'm telling you. The price of hooses out there, fuck me. You got a mansion for 12 quid. Fucking Tories, man. So, look after yourselves, man. I say it jokingly, and I say it in passing. Look after yourselves. But I am fucking serious. Look after yourselves. Because nobody gives a fuck about you. Look after yourselves. The sad thing, the sad message that is coming from this pandemic is make as much money as you fucking can. That's the sad thing. It isn't be kind to each other. It isn't, you know, look after your neighbour. The message that's coming for this is make sure you earn as much fucking money as you can in your lifetime because that is how you'll be safe and secure. If they don't, here's the I was just about to say, if they don't fire Dominic Cummins, how does this affect him? It doesn't make a fucking difference, Scott. I'm talking to myself now. I'm asking questions and answering questions. I've lost it. It will not make a bit of difference. Something will happen in the next couple of days or the next week. It'll take the heat off him. He'll disappear into the, into the shadows and he'll just fucking run the puppet Bojangles from, from back there. May God have mercy on our souls. The Bundesliga has been back for a second weekend. Uh, Interesting to see how many of you are heavy German football fans. 
Not once have I seen many of you mention um, fucking Glenshuskirken or fucking Versburg. But suddenly we're like, get, get us a pint of fucking whole garden and uh, a curry first. I'm going to watch the fucking mighty Dortmund. I think we can all agree the idea of having football back was great. I love the football. Uh, but watching it behind closed doors is pish. Is pish. You know? Um, some football stadiums have, have printed pictures of their fans and stuck it on a chair as if that makes a fucking difference. That's just weird and creepy. We're also trying to save the planet. You know? Bringing down emissions. Smog's been reduced. Wildlife has returned. We are the virus. And some Bundesliga is printing out 14,000 massive fucking headshots. <laughs> Why? The interesting thing is football in Scotland has been cancelled. The sad thing is not forever. Now, when I saw the news article that uh, Scottish football was cancelled, I thought, finally, finally, no more, no more. But it's just this season. So, unfortunately, it will be back. Um, English Premiership has not been cancelled. They're doing their best to get that back. English Premiership, Bundesliga, Serie A and La Liga uh, are the four leagues across Europe who are not cancelling and who are desperate to come back. Why is that? Because they're the ones that make all the fucking money! I know, I'm not, this isn't becoming a conspiracy theory podcast, right? But listen to me. If you don't understand by now that money is what makes this world go round. I don't know what I can do for you. All right? Four big leagues. And the ones coming back, Premiership's no happy in England. Some players are refusing to turn to trading. I'm not coming back if I get a cold. Some of them have got different situations at home, which saying they are concerned about returning. What I didn't realise is that every single player who returns to training is being tested for COVID-19, they will be tested repeatedly, and they will be tested on and after matches, now, Premiership footballers, over the course of a week, uh, during training, and if they were to play a game at the weekend, I believe could be tested as many as six to eight times in a week, yet a staff nurse, GP, surgeon, or even a porter in a hospital who could be doing 12 to 18 hour shifts and has been doing so since day one of this pandemic have yet to receive testing. Now, the argument would be, could uh, a ward nurse, uh, you know, complete a 60-year-old crossfield pass to toe? Probably not. You know? So maybe the argument there is, if you're a nurse, maybe you need to start practicing your penalties. Huh? <laughs> if you if you're a surgeon, if a if a surgeon out there who's not been tested, but can knock six out of eight top bins, then maybe maybe give him a test and a trial. Maybe that's how we do it, right? Britain's got talent. I, I don't even know if that's still going. Uh, I hope it isn't. My God, but if it is, wouldn't that be a nice section? Eh? Test. Or no test. We, we set up a, a full-size Premiership standard goals. Uh, Peter Schmeichel or other celebrity goalkeepers every week are in there. And we welcome 
three NHS staff, you know. Uh, contestant number one, my name's Sandra, uh, and I'm, I'm for Castle Milk. Sandra for Castle Milk steps up, oh, and she skies it over the bar. No test for you. What else have we been up to? Um, watched a wee show called Selling Sunset. Wonderful. Uh, on Netflix. If you enjoy uh, shite television, may I say, some of the finest shite TV I've ever seen in my life, uh, as uh, an estate agent in Los Angeles, um, which is run by two midget jockeys, uh, who are twins, twin brothers, midget jockey. If you imagine Right Side Fred... Uh, and you shrunk right side Fred down to about three and a half feet uh, and put them in immaculate suits. These are the two brothers. And then they have uh, women who are all six feet tall, uh, which makes them seem even smaller. And on first first glance, when you turn it on, you're like, fucking hell, they, they look stunning, the women. And then over the course of the episode, uh, you actually start to see their face and you realise, ah... Maybe no. Um, and then as the series goes on, you realise that they may be semi-attractive on the outside, but each of them is an ugly fucking cow on the inside. And that's what matters. It's what's inside that counts. But it's good. But a drama, you get to see big hussies in LA, 10 million quid. Is it got a pool? No, it's not got a pool. It's not got a fucking pool. Imagine paying $10 million for a hoose. In LA, sweltering, sweltering, and it's no got a fucking pool. You know, you do well here, right? You're a joiner. You've got your own van, right? Tams, joiners, right? Davy, Davy's dovetails, right? You're the greatest dovetail jointsman in the world. Okay, you quickly rise through the ranks of the the joinery divisions here in Scotland. And you're, you're brought out, headhunted to Los Angeles to to teach them how to do a proper dovetail. And through your hard work, dedication, uh, and and graft of the of the dovetail um, joint, you you build an empire. You know, Dave Davies dovetails are, are known across the the West Coast. People go into uh, millionaires' pads and they go, "Oh, I love the dovetail, Davies dovetail," right? You get yourself a ten million dollar hoose in Los Angeles, huh? You move the missus over, you're like, hey, ten million bucks, anything for you, fucking baby doll. She comes in, she's like, Franco, where's the pool? There's no pool, no pool. Tell you, me you're going Argos. You get fucking punted to Argos to get an inflatable pool for the wains. Ten million dollars. <laughs> Not even got a pool. Get to fuck. It's a good show. If you're if you're looking for something to watch, watch it. I used to always think when my missus would finish work and she'd put these shows on, she was never a Terry watcher, but she would watch some amount of shite, that kind of that kind of vibe. And I'm like, what are you watching this shite for? You're an intelligent woman. And when she explained it to me, it made total sense. That's the thing. See, see if more women would just take time to explain things to men. We, we would understand instead of shouting at us. You know, we're simple creatures. Talk to us. She says, sometimes when you've had a hard, stressful day, because she does, she works hard, eight-hour shift, she's grafted, right? You just want to put something on that you don't have to engage with. 
I don't need to know any storylines, any plots. There's no information that I need to retain because it's important later on. It's just something to have on in the background. I mean, that makes total sense. And I understand now why you watch this shit. But then I, I get sucked in, you know? I get sucked in with the sparkly lights and the fucking big hooses, you know? And I'm like, oh, look at that. Who's doing that? Who's stunning in it? Stunning. I love looking in hooses. Is that weird? I don't mean nothing creepy. Like, I'm no fucking sneaking up in cunts. Just uh, living rooms and kitchens. That's my favourite. I, I enjoy walking past the street level, you know, and you maybe get a wee window opportunity, you know, two seconds, three seconds max, just to quickly fucking, oh, aye, cuddly toy, candlesticks, you know, take it all in. I enjoy that. We've been out before on their walks and, and Yaz like to me, stop looking in the window and I'm like, they shouldn't have the fucking blinds open then if they do, I'm looking in. It's nice to do that. I, I, I do that in Amsterdam. That's one of my one of my favourites to do in Amsterdam. Walk about looking in all the hoosies. Again, that, sound, that sounds weird when I say it out loud, but it's still creepy. It's, it's more of a, 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 a basement level grand designs. Okay? A budget grand designs. Kevin Cloud's in the house, you know? Talking about the fucking the dovetails and the joists, and I'm outside peering in the windy, <laughs> looking looking for an aga or whatever it is. Selling sunset. If you're looking for some shite uh, television, check out Selling Sunset. We have uh, been on the gusto last two weeks. Um, it's all right. It's all right. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm I'm cooking almost every night now. Um, I love cooking, man. It's brilliant. Um, uh, strangely, I like cooking for myself. Obviously, fat bastard. It's nice to cook for other people. Um, there's just there's something about making food for folk, and then you see them smile, you know, and you think, I've made that smile happen with my cooking. So I love it. Um, the more time I spend in lockdown away from the stage, the stage, the more I think, fuck me, I'd love to do some cooking, man. You know, some kind of professional capacity. I don't know if that classes as uh, a CV. If you were going to a chef, uh, what kitchens you worked in before, big man? Uh, my own kitchen, mate. I'm fairly competent in gusto. <laughs> if you don't know what gusto is, it's basically a box, box of gear, right? Fucking, if only. Box of ingredients uh, arrives at your doorstep. And then you take the wee cards and you fucking, you cook up a storm. Now, the missus is veggie, right? She's no vegan, thank God. She's veggie. And uh, what will happen is we'll, we'll cook the veggie dinner. She has the veggie dinner. I have the veggie dinner. And then I'll fuck a bit of chicken in it to make it a proper dinner. Um, some of the stuff's been nice. Some of the stuff has been disgusting. The thing seems to be people get very lazy with vegetarians uh, in the past and just now. I wonder if vegetarians is like the lost generation, the lost group. Because everything's about vegans. Are you vegan? We've got a vegan option. Try the impossible burger. It looks and smells like a burger, but it tastes like fucking cardboard. And it doesn't look fuck all like a burger. It's odd, right? But vegetarians seem to be getting left behind. 
you know. And I've seen in a few restaurants alone where people have went, I'm actually vegetarian. I'm like, well, you can have the vegan go like, no, because I fucking like cheese. You know? So it seems to me as though all of the vegetarian stuff is going back to that old-fashioned vegetarian cooking. So either mushrooms, everything's got a mushroom in it, or spicy as fuck. Friend of mine, Annie Banani, uh, vegetarian for a long time, and then she got ill. Uh, and then the doctor went, what are you eating? And she went, just pasta and did spicy paste. And he's like, fucking have some meat, you asshole, you're dying. Then she started eating steak and bacon and, oh, fucking Bob's your uncle. She's fine. But there was a time when I was kind of growing up, I'd say maybe early 20s, when vegetarian and vegetarianism was a movement, you know, and it was like pure big, I don't eat animals, man, because they've got thoughts and feelings. But it seemed as if everything was just cook the veg, cook the pasta, and then fuck a handful of chilies in it. And that's the way some of the cooking's been gone, man. I feel as if all of the uh, dishes that I'm cooking in gusto, uh, even tonight, for example, a lentil stew. Now, when you add some chicken and halloumi in there, delicious. Vegetable stew, seemed all right, it was going fine, nice stew, and it went, and add two tablespoons of chilli flakes. Fuck off, gusto! Try to enjoy my dinner, I don't fucking blow my tits off. I made this halloumi stew last week. And it was nice, it was a kind of tomato, I'd maybe say it was like a mild, well, I thought it was going to be like a mild curry, stew kind of thing, came with couscous, uh, sultanas, uh, flaked almonds, lovely, great presentation. Um, but this, this, the halloumi stew itself, it was so fucking spicy. You ever do that? I've done it before, with a takeaway, right, when it's your treat. And there's a reason why people order the exact same thing all the time, especially from a Chinese or an Indian, right? You go, we're getting an Indian tonight, fucking zippity doo da And you know exactly what every member of the family's having. That's because, one, we don't know enough about these cuisines, right? And two, because there are so many dead ends within Indians and Chinese Western food, right? That when you find something that you like or something that you can cope with, you fucking stick with that to the day you die. Do you know what? Try a wee dop de pazia or a wee fucking go and fuck yourself, you cunt. I want a butter chicken. But do you know what? Try a wee fucking vendor. Get a fuck. Stick with what you know, right? And then sometimes you'll be feeling exotic. You maybe watched a programme, right? You maybe watched somebody travel and you're like, I'll try one of the Dow things in the fucking do 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 do. Put that on it. I'll fuck it, I'll try it. Chicken or lamb. Fuck it, lamb. Why no? Then it turns up one spoonful and your whole arse is blown out. You know? And then you got one or two options. First option is you leave it, you admit defeat. Right? And you go hungry. Or you fucking plough through the pain. And that's what I always do. Never leave a good man behind. And by man, I mean dinner. And this fucking halloumi stew thing was... I mean, tears. Tears were coming down my face. It wasn't even hot anymore. The temperature of the food was cold. And every time I was putting it on, I'm going... <laughs> There's no need for it, Gusto. No fucking need for it. So... Maybe sit down, lads. Uh, 
I don't even know if you've got a chef. Maybe come up with some tasty fucking vegetarian options that don't involve hunters of chilli or mushrooms, because the good lady doesn't like mushrooms. I love mushrooms. I think they're delicious, but, you know, you've got to find a balance in there. Eh? Oddly, she, she got she was telling about an email. She got an email from them the other day saying, um, one of the boxes that's coming out next week, uh, Miss Atherton, um, in the uh, menu card, uh, in the recipe card, it says that the dish requires um, chantilly carrots. Now, we have tried our very best at Gusto to source chantilly carrots, but we sadly have come up short now. You can hopefully understand with the current climate and pandemic of COVID-19 that we have tried our very best to source the chantilly carrots, but we've been able to do so. We have provided normal English bastard carrots. Um, and, and the new instructions will be on the card, but we hope you will accept our sincerest apologies. And you let me cancer dying. Here, Gusto, people are dying, mate. I'm not gonna lose. I'm not gonna lose my mind over a, where are my Chantilly carrots? How can I possibly go through with this meal without the Chantilly carrots? They've sent a normal carrot. How dare they? How fucking dare they? See if you're the type of person that loses their dinger over Gusto sending you the wrong type of carrot. Get in the sea. Get in the fucking sea. How are these people not getting taken by COVID? Why are we all losing nice, happy people? And the fucking carrot bastards are still walking about. Not on. Not on, Gusto. But I tell you something, I'll accept your carrot. See if that carrot turns out with chilli flakes. I'm going to ram that carrot up your fat. <laughs> right, let's do... Let's do some questions, man. Odd episode. Odd episode. Eh, can I win them all? Can I win them all? You better be fucking subscribing. I'll tell you that right now. Thank you to everybody who has got in touch, as always. Oh, God. Itchy nose. Apologies. Um, thank you to everyone who got in touch. You can do so on social media. It's the best way to do it. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Facebook is Scott Gibson Comedy. If you do not follow the page on Facebook, you are a fool because every single Wednesday during the lockdown, I will be hosting a quarantine quiz, a pub quiz if you like, four rounds, medium strength questions every single Wednesday on Facebook. Simply search Scott Gibson Comedy on Facebook and join us every single Wednesday, 8.30pm, live on Facebook. Right, let's go to uh, the Book of Face. First of all, um, Charles Venables. Charles has asked, with the way the world is today, would you like to know how you die or when you die? Charles, good question. What the fuck is happening with my nose, man? So itchy. I was going to say this. I've not been taking bumps, man, if that's what you think. Charles, um, do you want to know how you die or when you die? With the way the world is now. Um, Charlie boy, Charlie boy, Charlie boy. Big C, big Charles. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. I would say you want to know when you die, Charlie boy. Um, if, if you know how you die, for example, if that's the one you choose from the two options, I think you're going to be living the rest of your days 
on edge shiting yourself. For example, if uh, you, you say, I want to know how I die, and they tell you, you are killed brutally by a gang of squirrels. Now, any time from that day on that you see a squirrel, you're going to be like, no, look at this. You're going to be panicked, right? It's going to be, it's constantly, you're going to be Googling, you know, where in the world the squirrels no live? And they'll be like, Papua New Guinea. You're like, we're moving to Papua New Guinea. Are we? Fuck, Franco. Come on, hen. My life's in danger. You know? Take your whole family out of Papua New Guinea. Start a new life there. Eh? Fucking being a, a sugarcane farmer or whatever they have in Papua New Guinea. You know? Find yourself a nice nice hut, nice shack. Check in. Eh? Get into the back bedroom. You un- unpack a case. Who's sitting in the windowsill? Squirrel! You're like, bastard! You know? So I don't think you want to know how you die. Because it would always be in your head. You'd be fucking constantly shiting it, man. I think you want to know when you die. The problem being is, if it's if it's a long time away, if they say you're going to die on the 1st of June 2062, you'd be like, jackpot! You'd be up to cunts, fucking headbutting them, punching the street, jumping in front of buses. You know? Can he fucking catch me, you bastard? I cannot be killed. Starting bar fights, man. <laughs> Can he kill me, you cunt? 2061. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going nowhere. Torching yourself. You know, death sitting in the corner going, he's fucking beat the system. So what I'm saying, Charles, good question, but there's, there's problems with both. But you've put me in the spot, you've said, big man, what would you choose? So I would choose when you die, not how you die. That's what I would go for. But thank you for your for your question. Uh, I've just saw this one underneath it. Jack McDonald. Jack, thanks for the question. Jack has asked, are Franco and Sandra based on real people? <laughs> um, so whenever I'm doing a, a bit whether it's stand-up or even just conversation and podcast, and I have to do, like, a stupid man or a stupid woman. I will always call the man Franco, and I'll always call the woman Sandra. I don't know why. Now, Sandra has been first. Sandra? Sandra's just a funny name. Sandra. It's just a funny name, right? And whenever I would do a a, a woman's character or a woman's voice in my stand-up, I would always use the name Sandra. There isn't a Sandra. It's not based on anyone. It's just based on that person that we all know. It might be your mum's friend. It could be one of your friends, right? And they're probably, you know, they've not got a job. They stay at home. They say, my kids are my fam. My kids are my job. My kids are my job. Your kids left home 12 years ago, Sandra. But you don't understand. My kids are my job. That's a full-time job. Why are they people, right? Always on Facebook. Always got an opinion, sharing things left, right, and centre, you know. And then you might be going, you know, that's actually something for the EDL. Well, I didn't know that, did I? I was just sharing it because it said something really nice about Britain. What are they, people, right? We all know them. And Franco is Sandra's husband, boyfriend, partner, equivalent. And Franco is just that Glasgow dafty. Okay, you know, wheeler and dealer, maybe he sells a bit of gear on the side, 
You know, he's Glasgow's 415th biggest drug dealer, but he thinks he's fucking Pablo Escobar. Right? Kicks about in a Mercedes, he's leased. New trainers, others are tracksuits. Never owned anything in his life. He pays out four grand, higher purchase fees every month. Because he's got a big tail. Right? Council house, six different wains to seven different women. That kind of guy. Franco. So that's Franco and Sandra. Not based on your people. I, I don't know a, a Franco or a Sandra. I know some people who share traits of both Franco and Sandra. Um, and I'm sure you have a Franco and a Sandra in your own life. And if you do, I, I feel sorry for you. But that's it. Jack, thanks. Good question, mate. Good question. Somebody's listening, man. Somebody's listening. Again, Franco really is just because it's a fun name. It used to be John Paul. I used to say John Paul, but then, you know, part of Glasgow get a, a bit upset. He ain't saying John Paul for because he's fucking, because he's a honey. Again, it's better than being for the West Coast. You've got to watch certain things, you know. You can't say things like John Paul because then it gets you any ball. So John Paul became Franco because that could be generic either, <laughs> either side of the old firm. Yes, uh... Jack, thank you for your for your question. Uh, I think we have another question. We've got a couple of questions actually on Instagram. So thanks for everybody who got in touch. With that now, if you do want to ask a question for the podcast, um, get in touch. Don't you don't need to worry about waiting for me to post because, like I said, with the Patreon, I'm recording episodes all the time. Every single Friday, a patron only episode will go out. But during the week, if there's some extra stuff, it just gets fired out as well. So if you do have a question, get in touch. Go to the website, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk. All the links to the social medias are on there. So like the pages, follow the pages. If you want to send me something, you can DM me or you can send me uh, an email through the website. Just fill in the form and uh, I will ask it on the podcast. And if you don't want me to read out your name, just say, God, I know, read out my name, big man, because my name is fucking Franco Sandra John Paul McGovern and I don't want that read out, all right? Uh, Karen Scafey, Karen has asked a fucking belter on Instagram, and her question is, worst chore in the house? Simple. Worst chore in the house. Karen goes on to say, for me, cleaning an oven. Karen, I'm going to tell you this then, I didn't even know for quite some time you had to clean ovens. I thought it fucking cleaned itself. And then I moved out, moved in with my friend, two teenage boys living together, what a mess the oven was in. Covered in spunk and shite. Huh? We had to get a guy in the clinic. He's like, oh, what is this oven doing full of spunk? I was like, mate, it's two teenage boys. Say no more, lads. Say no more. Moving out. My wee ma. My ma's oven. My ma's house is like a fucking show home, right? A show home. You could eat your dinner off every surface in the house. Spotless. Her oven. Now she's had that kitchen for like a couple of years. The oven, the oven doesn't look as if it's been used. How? She must clean it after every time. It can't be fucking bothered. And when we're moving out of the house, my wee ma, me ma, came around and fucking helped us out. I say helped out. Made sure we got a deposit back to clean the place and then opened the oven door and went by the name by the power of Grayskull. Jesus Christ almighty, baby Jesus and fucking Lord's belly and oh my days, Mary, Mother and Joseph. I says, is the oven in, in a state of distress? What do you call a man in? A professional, he had a van and everything, a hazmat suit, which would probably come in handy now, and a fucking, a mask. 
Set about the oven with, with foams and gels and fucking acids. You know. Put even put the put the uh, the shelves, the oven shelves, in like some kind of PVC pillowcase thing. Yeah, leave that overnight, lads. Don't touch that. All right, I fucking take the skin right off you. I says, yeah, okay, okay. Spotless, man. Oven was spotless. That was easily 15 years ago. 16 years ago. Have I cleaned an oven since? Have I? Fuck. There is not... I'm trying... Do you know what? I'm trying to think of a chore in the house that I enjoy. Is cooking a chore? I cook. And I like cooking. And I'm fucking good at it. So I like that. I hate washing dishes. I hate it. I hate washing dishes, man. Oh, Do you know what I hate? See fuckers that don't rinse their dishes? You fucking dirty, dirty bastard. There's nothing worse, I think, than putting your hands in the dishwasher and just feeling all wee bits of shit floating. No, thank you. Hate doing dishes. Um, hate it with a passion. Hate it. I, I, I sometimes say it in the dishes. I was like, just take a, take a, take a mug, and take a plate, and that's that's it for the day, right? Just fucking reuse it. Don't don't be using hundreds of plates, hundreds of cutlery. Just fucking use the same thing over and over. All right, never harms. Then all the dishes build up, and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Don't mind hoovering. If there is a an implement or a tool involved, men will be happy to do that. You know, fucking hey, keep it clean. Don't mind hoovering. Don't like emptying the hoover though. There's always a caveat, right? I'll hoover if they're shaking back. I'll hoover till the cows come home. But then if it's built up, I will keep hoovering until the bag's full, and it starts spitting shit out as I'm hoovering. You know. And then somebody else is going to have to empty it, because I'm not emptying it. It could be spiders in there. Fucking beasties. Chores. I mean, there is no chore. I mean, I, I do my bit, right? I'm, I'm out of bed, you know? Here's the difference between men and women when it comes to chores, right? Here's the difference. I'll tell you right now, right? Your Uncle Kibble will tell you. I'll not lie to you, right? I'll tell you the truth. It isn't that women are better at cleaning than men. It's no that, right? I'm not saying that cleaning the house, doing the dishes, doing the washing is women's work. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that women are able to do it quicker and with far less fanfare than what men require. Okay? Now hear me out. I can, I can sense all the fucking women going, yeah, fucking ba- unsubscribe for his channel. Listen to me. A woman, a mother, a lover, a, a friend, a woman could gut a house from top to bottom in record timing. Okay? The men in her life roll back in. Husband and kids roll back in. Not a word is spoken. Not a word. They simply bask and the beautiful cleanliness that the woman in their life has provided for them. Now, turn that on its head, a man. And I bring myself into this, because I've done it. If a man is to simply wipe down a worktop, 
simply wiped in a water tub. Every single person in that household must then step forth and admire the handiwork that has just been done. Hey, come here and see this. Your dad cleaned the work top. What, what, what was on it? Oh, fucking jam and all sorts. Was, was there like paint on it? What do you mean paint? Was there, was there paint on it? No. So what, what did you do? Well, I got, I got a cloth and used that spray stuff. And I, and I wiped it down. Look at it. Spotless. We, we need praise. I've done it before. I cleaned the bathroom once, you know, and I was like to her, fucking get off your ass, get in here and see this. Wait till you see this place. Done it with the kitchen as well, cleaned the kitchen. I was like, come here and have a look at this. Wait till you see this kitchen. And then she comes in, right, and now you're standing there and you're waiting for, what, you, what you're looking for is that you look a single tear. That's that's top end. If you can get that, right, if you can get a single tear for the woman in your life, then she goes, this is, I have never seen this kitchen as clean in all my life. How can I ever repay you? You don't need to thank me, you know, you just... Every day you're with me is a little bit special. That's that's what you want to hear, but what you hear is... Did you forget to do that? Is that where that lives? Why have you moved that thing? Have you forgot to clean here? And you're like, what? And she very quickly picks apart all the work you've done because the truth is, and it's been said to me, as I imagine it's been said to every man at some point in his life, the woman you love will turn to you after you perform your housework chores and say, your clean is not my clean. And for a split second, you'll, you'll go to retort. You know, you'll be like, fucking give her both barrels, big man. And then the brakes will slam on you and go, no, she's right. Because our clean is not their clean. So, when it comes to chores, I do my bit. I do what I can where I can. But I know my limits and I know that I'm never going to be as good as the missus. You know? She blitzed this whole place on Sunday. Couldn't believe it, man. I was sitting on the sofa, watching a bit of telly, and she fucking blitzed the place. And then I walked into the bathroom to go for a pee. And I went, fucking hell, this place is spotless. I said, we check every day now, Martin. I don't know. I don't know. So Karen, to go back to your question, the chore that I hate the most, if I had to pick one, I would I would stick with washing the dishes. I would go with that. Because it's it's horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. And uh, I think we all want a cleaner. Nobody likes cleaning. Nobody likes cleaning. I think if we all could have a cleaner, we'd have a cleaner. You know? Right, I'm looking at the time. We're over an hour, man. Um, we have rabbled on again about a whole load of nothing. Um, thank you to everybody, as always, who listens to the podcast and who watches the videos uh once again if you're listening to this on spotify please do subscribe to the podcast and if you're watching the videos on youtube then subscribe to the channel if you can consider fuck me i just punched the mic consider becoming a patreon patreon today um five dollars a month it's fuck all right and for that, you already get four episodes a month. You'll get another four episodes a month, guaranteed. That's eight episodes a month, as well as comedy albums, one-off specials, and access before anyone else to The Officer's Mess, which is the interview podcast that I do with various guests. It is the best way, and right now the only way, 
to support me and support the show, so become a Patreon today. Head to patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Sign up for $5. It is the best thing you'll do this fucking lockdown. I'm telling you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, everyone who sent in questions. Those of you who ever got a chance to, to ask Chris Ashton, Chris Simpson, Jacqueline Thompson... Uh, and Stevie Barton, uh, a couple of guys also on Instagram, I will ask uh, answer your question, sorry, on the Patreon episode that comes out this Friday, right, things to look at, um, fuck knows, um, do the quiz Wednesday night, every single Wednesday, 8.30 on Facebook, get on the website and subscribe to the mailing list if you don't already do so, subscribe to the show, listen, it's tough, right, we're all in this together, everyone's experience is difficult, if you can become a patron and you don't want to support the show, you can support the show in other ways. Like I said, subscribe, stick in your social media, get the name out there. Let's keep growing the Battlefield Army. It's going to be great. Look after yourselves. Look after yourselves. Stay safe. Wash your hands and your arsehole. Hopefully soon, I will see you in a battlefield. Look after yourself. Episode 30, in a bag. Onwards. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.